Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. I shared this text with you two weeks ago and want to return uh, to Matthew 11 verses 25 to 30. Take another look at what Jesus says here. Matthew 11 25 to 30. Matthew, the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 11. Chapter 11. I think that's how they say it down there in Panama City, Florida. 11. 11. Chapter 11 verse 25 to 30. All right, and uh, I'm going to read from, I believe I have the New Living Translation, and uh, Matthew 11:25. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Amen. I want to extract one little phrase from verse 29. One little phrase in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let me teach you. I want to talk today from the thought, let Jesus teach you. Let Jesus teach you. Amen. Amen. The Taliban have regained control of Afghanistan. The return of Taliban rule to Afghanistan will mean a return to Sharia law. Sharia law is a body of religious rules to guide the day-to-day lives of Muslims. It is based mainly on the Quran, Islam's holy book, as well as the words and teachings of the prophet Muhammad. It provides guidance on everything, everything to include family, law, finance, charity, punishments. It has been emphatically declared by a Taliban commander that Afghanistan will not have a democratic system. It won't have a democratic system at all. He made it clear that Afghanistan will return to Sharia law. You may have seen footage of people frantically hurting to the Kabul airport, fearing for their safety and even their very lives. You could see people chasing American military, American military aircraft as it taxied down the runway. Several persons even clung to the plane as it lifted off the ground, only to plummet to their death shortly thereafter. 
The Taliban controlled the, uh, the country once before, from 1996 to 2001, and governed Afghanistan according to a harsh interpretation of Sharia law. In the 90s, just before the first Taliban regime acquired power, about 50% of government jobs were held by women. 40% of physicians were women. 70% of teachers were women. After the Taliban seized control in 96, women were forced to wear burqas, the head to toe face covering garment uh, where, where they covered everything and could face beatings if they ventured outside on their own without a male guardian. Schools for girls were shut down. Television and music were banned. People who violated the Taliban's rules could be publicly executed, whipped, or stoned. Are y'all with me so far? Now parts of Afghanistan once, once again resemble its, its, previous self, uh, its previous self under Taliban rule with few women outside. They're terrified. They're not alone. Persons who assisted American forces during the war over the past 20 years as interpreters and provided other services to assist the U.S. fear for their lives and await our nation to grant special visas to come here. Afghani journalists are scared in asking the United States to help provide them safe passage out of the country out of fear of being targeted by the Taliban. I was yesterday years old when I found out what the word Taliban means. Taliban is the, Arab, is the Arabic plural form of the word Talib, which means student, seeker. Their name suggests they're students, seekers, what they've been taught drives them to behave and govern the way they behave and govern. Everybody isn't taught by the Taliban, but everyone has a teacher. Some people are taught by the streets. Some are taught by racists. Some are taught by attentive and engaged parents, as well as negligent parents. Some are taught in rigidly righteous churches, as well as liberal or even carnal churches. Some folks adhere to the teachings of atheists, new age proponents, or, or other philosophies, doctrines, and ideologies. Everyone has a teacher. Jesus offered to teach. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you. Let, let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart, you will find rest for your souls. I have a couple questions. A couple questions I want to pose right quick. We're going to raise up the first question. Who can be taught by Jesus? Who? Who can be taught by Jesus? I may have questions rather than points today. First question. Who can be taught by Jesus? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let me teach you. Who can be taught by Jesus? First of all, only those who allow Jesus to teach them can be taught by Jesus. 
He invited those who were weary, or in other words, as I shared two weeks ago, those who are worn out, those who are feeling beat down by, by life and the rigorous religious rules that were imposed upon them, and those who carry heavy burdens or heavy loads that exhaust the person carrying them. He invites them to join him, to come to him. He, he speaks to persons whose worship is wearing them out. If they would allow, Jesus' yoke in learning from him would be a wonderful alternative to their current experience. So my encouragement to everyone listening, everyone watching, whether you're watching live or you're going to watch later, make allowance for Jesus to teach you. Make allowance for Jesus' yoke in your life. Make allowance for his yoke. Yoke is that, that, that wooden frame that would bind animals together to steer them, to pace them as they would plow certain fields and work certain lands. It's, it's a, it's, the yoke is a symbol for discipline. The yoke is a symbol for submission. The yoke is a symbol for surrender. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Surrender your life to my guidance. Surrender, surrender how you live your life to my direction, to my teaching. Let me teach you make allowance for his example and his word to govern your life only those who make allowance for Jesus can be taught by him here's what I mean Jesus taught in his teaching he told a story he told a story of a sower some seed and some soils and he talked about how different there are different responses to how people hear the gospel uh, he said that, that, that the sower represents a person sharing the good news of the kingdom. God's rule, uh, the kingdom of God is God's rule in our hearts. The good news, the good news that's shared by those who sow, who, who share the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're like a sower with seed. And when the gospel goes forth, when the teachings of the kingdom go forth, you have different ways people respond to the teachings. Some, some folks hear the word, watch this y'all, some folks hear the word, and allow the devil to snatch it before they get an understanding of what they heard. Then there are some who hear the word and they receive it with joy at first. Unfortunately, they allow their problems or persecution for trying to live a kingdom lifestyle to pull them away from the kingdom and back into the world. Then there are those who hear the word and they allow the worries of this life and the lure of wealth to prevent what they've been taught to make a difference in their lives. Rather than get yoked up with Christ, they get yoked up with the culture. Finally, there are those who hear the word, they understand it, and they allow it to make a difference in their lives. They allow Jesus' teachings to produce results, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. In other words, some folk, some folk may not be as fruitful and productive as others, but everyone who hears the word and understands the word and allows the teachings of Jesus to really permeate their hearts and their minds, they bring forth some results. Just as, just as water makes allowance for sugar to be absorbed into its properties, anyone who will be taught by Jesus must make allowance for his teachings to, to penetrate their hearts and their minds. On the other hand, just as water does not make allowance for oil to penetrate its properties, for you know oil and water don't mix. Some folks do not allow the power of Jesus' teachings to mix with how they see God and how they see the world and how they see themselves and how they see their neighbors or how they see their enemies or how they see eternity. Let the sweetness of Jesus' teachings permeate you and bring rest for your soul. We must make allowance for Jesus' teachings in our lives. But Jesus also points out, he points out that we must be childlike 
if we want him to teach us. If you're not childlike, Jesus cannot teach you. Look at verse 25. Back up to verse 25 real quick. Verse 25. Uh, as, I, as I dab my allergy-ridden eyes. Secondly, you must, you must be childlike and allow Jesus to teach us. Verse 25. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. Watch this. And for revealing them to the childlike. Jesus contrasted the childlike from the wise and the clever. Some folks cannot learn from Jesus because they're wise and clever. In other words, they know too much. They, they know too much. Jesus cannot teach them anything because they know too much. They know how to handle their anger. They, they know how to handle their enemies. They, they know what God is like. They know what's going to happen in the afterlife. They, they, they know so much Jesus can't teach them anything. And Jesus said it pleased the Father to hide revelation from the wise and the clever. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you. For hiding these things from the wise and the clever. The last thing anyone needs is for the father to be hidden from them. No one ought to go through life and certainly not go through death with the revelation of the father being hidden from them. Somebody ought to cry out, don't hide yourself from me, God. I'm, I'm going through too much. Don't hide yourself from me, father. I, I need my sins forgiven. Don't hide yourself from me, God. The way I'm trying to worship you through works is wearing me out. Don't hide yourself. I'm carrying too much of a load. I'm, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of not feeling good enough. I'm tired of not measuring up. God, the last thing I need is for you to hide yourself from me. I'm telling you, if you don't think you know him, if you feel like you cannot find him, I would encourage you to cry out, Father, don't hide yourself from me. But what did Jesus mean by being childlike? What does it mean to be childlike? What are the qualities of a person who is childlike? Two things real quick. One, children are willing to learn and grow. Children are willing to learn and grow. They're, they're like sponges. They're like sponges when it comes to learning. Adults tend to be so locked into what we think we know. It's nearly impossible for us to learn anything new. Anyone who's going to let Jesus teach them has to be willing to learn new principles of his kingdom that will require unlearning what you've been taught previously that contradicts his teachings i'm saying that to learn from jesus you got to be childlike to where you you you, you hear what jesus has to say and you and, and you embrace it you're you're like a child you're like a sponge you're learning you're you're growing your understanding is continually increasing because you're like a child and sometimes again y'all you've got to unlearn what the streets have taught you you've got to unlearn what the world has taught you sometimes you got to unlearn what the devil has taught you sometimes you got to unlearn what carnal folk have taught you sometimes you got to unlearn what common sense has taught you if you're going to learn from jesus children are willing to learn and grow second quality of people who are childlike is when we see that children are trusting children are trusting they're trusting there's something about the trust of children especially when it comes to what their parents or authority figures tell them when i was a child if my mom or dad made me a promise or gave me a command or a warning, I took them seriously. Or I regretted it when I didn't. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I trusted them. 
I took them at their word. If they told me, if, if they, how many young men, y'all remember when we had football sets, these, they, they were these football games, and you, you turn, the, they, they were electric, you turn it on, they'd vibrate, and they make the football players, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, they make the football players move around. I had, I, I wanted a football set, so my mother promised me she'd take me to get a football set, Jay, and I went, and, 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 and when the day came to finally go and get the football set, you, you couldn't get me to go out inside and play that day. You couldn't get me to go ride my bikes that day because mama said we were going to the store, not the store, the store. Get me a football set. She told me the day we were going and as far as I was concerned because she told me it was a done deal. I trusted her. That's childlike faith that God wants us to have. Childlike faith with which we come to him trusting him to teach us the truth. Childlike faith. This is what Jesus is looking for in childlike folk, those who trust without even working at it and will take the Lord at his word. But being childlike is not the same as being childish. Being childish is not the same as being childlike. It is hard to teach child to teach childish folks anything. But childlike followers of Jesus can be taught by the master. Some of us need to grow up. Some of us need to become childlike and be delivered from childishness. Some of us need to grow up and get over ourselves. Some of us need to grow up and realize we don't know everything. Some of us need to grow up and realize it ain't about us. It ain't about you and yours. It's about him. Some of us need to realize that we, we got to change and become like a child and get some teaching that helps you to outgrow your childish ways. Grow up and let Jesus teach you. So my first question today is, who, who can be taught by Jesus? Those who make allowance for him to teach them and those who are childlike. And my second question is, uh, what are we taught by Jesus? What are we taught by Jesus? That's my second question this morning. What are we taught by Jesus? According to verse 27, Jesus knows and teaches the father. Look at verse 27. Verse 27, my father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father. And no one truly knows the father except the son and those, here it is, to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Jesus, you offered to teach us. What are you going to teach us? Jesus would answer, I'm going to teach you all the father. The father, Jesus' audience is weary and heavy laden. They're worn out from life and, and trying to live up to God's demands as they understood them. Worship is wearing them out. Their worship is a reflection of what they've been taught about the father, the creator, Jehovah, Yahweh, our heavenly father. Worship has worn them out because they're exhausted trying to live up to the father's standards of holiness. Jesus speaks as though a part of the reason they're worn out is because of what they've been taught about the father. So Jesus offered to teach them about the father because in his words, no one truly knows the father except the son. And he talks like that in other passages of scripture as well. In John 8, 27, John 8, 27, when Jesus was teaching in the temple, he called out uh, to people who were criticizing him and, and, and questioned his credibility because they knew his daddy, his earthly daddy was a carpenter. And Jesus in the temple while he's teaching, he called out and said, yes, you know me and you know where I come from, but I'm not here on my own. The one who sent me is true. Watch this. And you don't know him. He's talking to folks in the temple, folks who are there to, to, to worship. He told them, and you don't know them. 
You, you, you don't know him. Verse 29 of, of John 8. But I know him because I come from him and he sent me to you. Told folks in the temple, in the house of God, you don't know him. Then in John 17, 25 to 26, Jesus talks like this again, that he knows the father and reveals the father. John 17, 25, oh, righteous father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. Jesus knows and teaches the father and God y'all listen God has always wanted his people to know him Jeremiah 9 23 and 24 Jeremiah 9 23 this is what the Lord says don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and, and righteousness to the earth that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. If you're going to brag about anything, brag about how much clearer God is coming in your vision. Brag, brag about how much more God is making himself known to you. If you're going to brag about anything, don't brag about how educated you are. Don't brag about the powerful people you know. Don't brag about what you can afford to buy and what you can afford to wear, what you can afford to eat, where you can afford to to travel if you're going to brag about anything brag God is making himself known to me I'm coming to know him I know him as a God who exercises loving kindness he's ready to show grace and mercy I know him as a God who practices judgment I believe that what God does is fair and, and right and I believe that God is, is righteous in other words he helps me to get right with him I believe that God is making himself clearer in my vision God wants us to know him the father wants us to know him that may be why Paul prayed for the Ephesians in Ephesians 1:17 that they they wouldn't know God. Here's Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. A little piece of it, y'all. Ephesians 1:17. He says, I've been asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. That word knowledge in that verse, Ephesians 1:17, is the word epignosis. I've broken it down for y'all before. The word epignosis means knowledge that is true, accurate, thorough, is full knowledge. Watch this, y'all. It's knowledge that comes from experience. In other words, Paul says, I want y'all to know God because you've experienced him. I'm praying that when all y'all go through, that all that y'all that y'all endure, that y'all come to know God from your experiences. I pray that as you go to Sunday school, that you still come to know God through your experience. I pray that as you attend worship every Sunday, that you still come to know God through your experiences. I pray that all the Bible, with all the Bible study you attend, that you still come to know God through your experience. And isn't this something that there are some people who come to church come to Sunday school come to Bible study and they still don't know God Paul says I'm praying that that doesn't happen to you I need you to know God from your own experience and I wonder how many of us know him because we've tried him how, how many of y'all know him because he's been your healer you know him it's one thing to know him as a healer how many of y'all know him as your healer it's one thing to know God as one who can make a way out of no way but how many of y'all know he's made a way out of no way for you how many of y'all know he's opened doors for you how many of you know him because he's fought battles for you how many of you know no, you know him for yourself because you've tried him. You've called on him to come through for you and he's done it over and over again. I need somebody to testify. I know him not because of what somebody told me about him, but I know him because I tried him for myself. 
tried them for myself. I, I got me some epic gnosis. I, I, I've come to know him from my own experiences. And Jesus says, Jesus says, I, 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 you need to, you need to, I can teach you the father. I'm, he, I, I, I know him. No one knows him. Like I know him of all the things we need to learn, y'all. That tells me we really need to learn the father. A bunch of us really know church. It's a, a bunch of us. We can tell you how stuff posed to go in the church. And what church folk posed to do. And what pastors posed to do. But do we know the heart of the father? The heart of the father. Why should we learn what Jesus teaches about the father? Two things real quick. Number one, let Jesus teach you about the father so you can have revelation. Teach Jesus, let Jesus teach you about the Father so you can have revelation. I'm in verse 27. Uh, my Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son. And those, here it is, to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Let Jesus teach you about the Father so you can have revelation. Other teachers in that day, they taught what they understood about the Father because they studied the Scriptures. And they, they, in their study of the scriptures, they, they, they went overboard. They, they went to the extreme to, 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 to understand the scriptures, but not, they, they studied the scriptures, listen y'all, without being in pursuit of understanding the heart of the Father who inspired the scriptures. And we have that same problem today where there are people, they can quote you scriptures and, and the tone and the spirit in which they quote the scripture and what the scripture applied reveals. They know the scripture, but they don't know the Father. Reminds me of a story of an oratorical contest. Uh, this contest where they had to quote the 23rd Psalm, and uh, the, the contest dwindled down to the final two con con uh, con contestants. And so, one contestant, very polished, a, a very notable, noteworthy speaker, he comes out to quote the 23rd Psalm, and he quoted the 23rd Psalm. And when he finished, everybody's on their feet, standing ovation, everyone's clapping, everyone's standing on their feet of how brilliantly and how wonderfully he quoted the 23rd Psalm. Then the final contestant came out, quoted the 23rd Psalm, and when he he finished quoting the 23rd Psalm nobody clapped no one stood up but there was not a dry eye in the house and it was said that the polished person who who quoted the 23rd Psalm and got the standing ovation they knew the 23rd Psalm they they knew speaking and and oratorical skills they knew the 23rd Psalm but that final contestant they knew the shepherd talked about in the 23rd Psalm some folk, they know the scriptures, but they don't know the heart of the Father who inspired the scriptures. Jesus said, I, I, can, I can reveal God to you. I can reveal the Father to you. Jesus does not simply teach us and impart revelation. In him, y'all, we have the revelation of the Father. He is the revelation of the Father. When we see Jesus, we see the Father. I'm in John 14, 8 and 9. John 14, 8, Jesus has been telling his disciples that he's about to dip. He said, don't let your heart be troubled, but I'm about to dip. His disciples are disturbed. And Philip said in verse 8, John 14, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Watch this, y'all. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. When you see Jesus, 
you see the Father. When you see Jesus forgiving sins, we see the Father forgiving sins. When we see Jesus giving a sinner another chance to get it right, we see the Father giving a sinner another chance to get it right. When we see Jesus showing compassion and mercy to the least, the last, and the left out, we see the Father showing compassion and mercy to the least, the last, and the left out. When we see Jesus checking and rebuking self-righteous hypocrites, we see the Father checking and rebuking self-righteous hypocrites. When we see Jesus going through Samaria and breaking down racial barriers and pulling women up to receive honor and qualifying the unqualified and showing grace and looking beyond faults, we see the Father breaking down barriers, honoring women and showing grace. When we see Jesus, we see the Father. Jesus says, I can reveal you to him. When we see Jesus, we see the Father. Let Jesus teach you so you can have revelation. But the second thing, second reason we want Jesus to teach us is let Jesus teach you about the Father so you can have relief. Relief. Somebody holler relief. As in relief from allergies. Relief. He says, ah. I'll give you relief. Look at verse 20, 28, verse 28, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Then Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy, carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That word rest, as I told y'all two weeks ago, can also be translated relief. Relief. He says it again in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus offered rest or in other words he he offered a yoke and this yoke is different from the yoke that, that the that the audience was already carrying because Jesus offers a yoke of relationship 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 it's not just you 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 got to have more than just some religion in following Christ you got to have relationship Yoke suggests surrender. It suggests relationship. And I've, I shared here years ago that, that, it, that it's more than a relationship. It's actually a relationship. Instead of R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-S-H-I-P, we ought to have a R-E-A-L. A-T-I-O-N-S-H-I-P. A real relationship. I wonder if there's anybody here who's been walking with Jesus long enough where you have a real relationship with him. You have more than book knowledge. You have more than what you've learned from reading the Bible. You have more than what you've learned from attending Sunday school Bible study. You have a real relationship with him. It's not just a Sunday morning. Let me put my Jesus face on before I go to church and act like I'm saved around the church folks have relationship. It's a real relationship. When they tick you off at work and what keeps you from catching a case is your real relationship with Jesus. What keeps you from going off with Karen at the Walmarts is your real relationship with Jesus. It's, it's a real relationship. You, you ain't cut nobody in a long time because of your real relationship with Jesus. Folk, folk, folk don't understand. You ain't been saved all your life, but now you have a real relationship with Jesus because he's given you rest. He's given you relief from your soul. This is relief that Jesus offers for the sinner or even the worshiper who's worn out because they can't measure up to God's standard of righteousness. They've been taught religion and rituals that made the worshiper work and labor to be made right with God. But Jesus offers grace where he simply gifts us with salvation and declares we're right with God. 
These people are weary. They're, they're heavy laden. They're worn out from their worship because they're trying to live uh, in a way to, to gain God's acceptance. And Jesus says, my yoke is where God just accepts you because I've accepted you. God just accepts you because you, you accepted his son Jesus as your savior. God, God, God accepts you because when you come to Jesus and accept this invitation, Jesus just declares you are right with God now. When you when you come to Jesus and repent of your sins and accept him as your savior and your Lord, you don't have to worry about being made right with God. Jesus just gifts you with being made right with God. You, you, you don't have to worry about it. it's a relief that you've been given the gift of being made right with God. You don't have to earn being right with God. You don't have to qualify or try to measure up to be right with God. It's just given to you as a gift. Jesus just makes a declaration that that you are right with God. When Clark when Clark comes to Jesus and and accept Jesus as his Savior and Lord. Jesus made, made a declaration. Clark, Clark, from now on, Clark is all right with God. I just declared, I gift you being all right. When you came, despite how folk still may question if you're saved, despite how folk may still question if God has changed your life, when you came to Christ, he gifted you the gift of being made all right with God. He just declared it. And when Jesus makes such a declaration, there's no devil in hell that can, that can make another declaration unless they lie. Can't nobody rob you of being made right with God. Can't nobody snatch your being made right with God from you. The devil can't pull you out of having been made right with God. It's so powerful of a declaration that it will stand through all eternity. It's just a gift. You don't have to try to earn salvation. It's just a gift. You don't have to try to earn everlasting life. It's just a gift. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm so glad he did. I'm so glad that Jesus just gives me the gift of being made right with God. I'm so glad that Jesus relieved me of trying to of having to try and earn God's pleasure and trying to earn being right with God I'm so relieved that Jesus just gave it to me because I could have never worked enough to be made right with God I could have never I could never have given enough to be made right with God I could have never sacrificed enough to be made right with God but one day one Friday night on Calvary Jesus hung bled and died and with his blood he paid my debt to be made right with God I'm relieved that because of his sacrifice and because of his gift of salvation because of his gift of grace in my life I'm relieved I don't have to worry about going to hell I don't have to worry about being separated from God I don't have to worry about about my soul I don't have to worry about where I'm going beyond the grave I don't have to worry about whether or not God is pleased with with me with, with our covenant relationship I don't have to worry because Jesus already told me I'll give you relief when you come to me hallelujah and so for the sinner for the sinner who's worried about whether or not you're made right with God my encouragement to you get some relief come to Jesus come to Jesus and let him give you the gift of eternal life let him give you the gift of forgiveness of sins let him give you the gift of wiping your slate clean let him give you the gift of your past being behind you with a destiny in heaven awaiting you let let Jesus give you the gift are y'all with me today I'm glad I'm glad he died for me. I'm relieved of having to try to earn salvation on my own. I'm relieved of having to try. Listen, and I'm so glad I'm relieved that that pleasing church folk is not a qualification for everlasting life. And some of y'all are more worried about pleasing church folk than you are about pleasing God. Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you relief. I pronounce deliverance in somebody's life today. 
Well, you more caught up in pleasing church folk than you are in pleasing God. I declare relief in your life for that sinner who's more concerned about trying to please people. And the reason why you won't come to Christ is because you're worried about who would have something to say about it. Listen, listen, you need you need Jesus in your life. You need to be relieved and delivered from what sinners or carnal folk got to say about how you're living when God has called you out of darkness. Who can be taught by Jesus? That's my first question. Second question, what, what are we taught by Jesus? Finally, finally, why should we let Jesus teach us? Why should we let Jesus teach us? He gave us the answer in the text. He said very simply in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Why? Because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Jesus was very different from the priests and religious scholars, religious uh, rulers of their day who exploited the people with temple taxes and harsh religious rules. African-American scholar Dr. Oberry Hendricks in his book, The Politics of Jesus, talks about people's needs being holy and treated as such. Our needs for daily provision, salvation, etc., are holy and sacred and are to be treated as holy and sacred. The priests and other religious leaders of Jesus' day did not treat the people's needs as holy. Rather, they took advantage of the people and exploited them and didn't care whether, whether they made life more difficult for those who wanted to worship the Father. Jesus, on the other hand, is humble and gentle and treats people's needs, all of our needs, as holy and sacred. Jesus is humble and gentle. He did not come to serve he did not come to be served, but to serve. He sees our needs as holy. They are serious in God's eyes. This may be one reason why he says, when you've, when you've blessed the least of these, you've blessed me. Our needs are holy. They're sacred. They're serious. Are y'all with me today? People in Afghanistan's needs are holy. People suffering from the earthquake in Haiti have needs that are holy. Your need to be able to afford food uh, to, to put on your table and, and food to eat is holy. Your need to be able to afford a roof over your head is holy. Your need to be able to afford medical treatment is holy. Your need to know the Father is holy. Your need to be accepted by God is holy. Your need for, for grace to save your soul is holy. Your need for forgiveness of your sins is holy. Your need for relief is holy. Jesus is humble and gentle and treats our needs as holy. Maybe that's why Peter told us, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Your needs mean something to him. He cares about what gets you bogged down. He, he cares about your misconceptions of the father. He cares about when you misunderstand the father and because of those misunderstandings you shy away from prayer. You shy away from the house of God. You shy away from the people of God. You, you shy away from serving the Lord. You, you, you shy away from the presence of God. It's misconceptions of the father that cause us to shy away you need to know the father and Jesus is humble he's humble and he's gentle and th that's how he he treats our needs so my question to you is how shall you treat your own needs I want you to treat them as holy 
Treat your need for relief as holy and come to Jesus. Treat your need for salvation as holy and come to Jesus. Treat your need to know the Father as holy and let Jesus teach you. He won't exploit you. He will not abuse you. He will not take advantage of you. Come to Jesus and let him teach you. Because when you have Jesus as your teacher, you got the right one, baby. When you have Jesus as your teacher, you got the one that can point you to the direction of the Father. When you have Jesus as your teacher, you got the one who reveals the Father to you. The gracious Father, our merciful Father, our compassionate Father, our loving Father, our Father who's slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, our Father who saves us by His grace, who just gifts us with eternal life, gifts us with forgiveness of sins, gifts us with the blood of the Lamb. Is there anybody here who's come to know this Jesus? Let Him teach you because when you got Jesus as your teacher, you've got the right one. Is there anybody here who's got the right one? Got some Jesus in your life. The world taught you one thing, but now you've got Jesus. Your pain may have taught you one thing, but now you've got Jesus. Your past in darkness taught you one thing, but now you've got Jesus. The church may have taught you one thing, but now you've got you some Jesus. And I love how when I look in the scriptures and see what happens to people who were taught by Jesus, what kind of people they became. What, 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 how, how did they get down? How, what did they do with their lives? What did they do with their pain? What did they do with their problems? What did they do when they found themselves in context where everybody hated them because of who they were or who they believed in? How, how did they make it through a society where they were constantly targeted and misunderstood and taken advantage of? How did they make it through uh, societies where they were under the oppression of other governments? I can tell you how. When you look in the book of Acts and you see Peter and John releasing miracles on their way on the way to the temple and they saw a beggar asking for a little bit of change and they said we don't have any change but we'll give you what we got in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk they worked miracles and got in trouble for it but when the Sanhedrin brought them into a hearing and, 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 and told them don't you preach this Jesus anymore don't you preach about that hoax anymore don't you preach that fake news anymore Peter and John were so, were so convicted in their witness for Jesus they were so convicted in their power because they knew what they had seen they knew what they had heard in fact that's what they told the council we can't help but testify because we know what we have seen we know what we have heard and the Bible declares watch this the Bible declares that the Sanhedrin could tell they had been with Jesus how can you tell when someone's being taught by Jesus you can't shut them up you can't sit them down you can't stop them how can you tell when somebody's been with Jesus you can threaten them but you can't shut them up you can't sit them down how can you tell when someone let Jesus teach them you can't shut them up you can't sit them down Jesus just comes out of them Jesus just comes out of them they, they see people in need and Jesus just comes out of them they see people who need help and Jesus just comes out of them you can threaten them and when you threaten them Jesus still Jesus comes out of them you can't shut them up and you can't shut them down I wonder who has that much Jesus so much Jesus where hard times can't shut you up hard times can't, shut, can't sit you down is there anybody here got that much Jesus got that kind of Jesus a revolutionary Jesus a radical Jesus 
can't shut you up, can't sit you down. On your good days, can't shut you up, can't sit you down. On your bad days, can't shut you up, can't sit you down. When your your heart is heavy with pain, can't shut you up, can't sit you down. When folk won't stop talking about you, can't shut you up, can't sit you down. Because people can tell when you've let Jesus teach you. When you open your mouth, Jesus comes out. When you open your mouth, the gospel comes out. When you open your mouth, praise comes out. When you open your mouth, thank you, Jesus comes out. When you open your mouth, I'm going to trust you anyhow comes out. When you open your mouth, I know God is able comes out. When you let Jesus teach you, people can tell. The Bible declares they could tell. They have been with Jesus. Can folk on your job tell you've been with Jesus? Can folk who get on your nerves tell you've been with Jesus? Can folk who get on your everlasting last nerve? tell you've been with Jesus can folk who tried to push your buttons tell you've been with Jesus can folk who knew you back in the day tell you've been with Jesus I just want to know if there's anybody here who has who can pass the I've been with Jesus test I, I, I let him teach me test if you've been with Jesus here's your test open your mouth and give him a praise open your mouth and give him a shout open your mouth and tell him thank you open your mouth and tell him you're gonna trust him open your mouth and ask him to show you the father Open your mouth and tell him you ain't walking away from him. Open your mouth and tell him he can still have his way in your life. Open your mouth and tell him that you're trusting him to work all things together for good. Open your mouth and praise him. Open your mouth and give him glory. Open your mouth and tell him, I know you're hurting. I know you're overwhelmed. I know you're worried with this Delta variant and all this. With all of that, open your mouth and praise him. Open your mouth and give him glory. I know you're being mistreated. I know you're being abused. I know I know how you're being treated, but open your mouth so somebody can tell. You must have been with Jesus. I can tell because you talk like him. You suffer like him. You endure like him. You bounce back like him. You testify like him. You preach like him. You teach like him. You talk like him. You love like him. You forgive like him. You go on like him. We can tell. You let Jesus teach you. We can tell by how you're enduring the pain. We can tell by how you respond to threats. We can tell. I pray that in my life, in our lives, that especially in hard times, under great pressure, folks can tell, must have been with Jesus. Father, help us. Teach us. Mold us. Shape us. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.